0: Do we ever get a hint as to why he's supposed to be the leader?
1: Because he was the only one that saw.
0: Oh, that's right. Mr. LeBail. Right, right, right. I forgot about that. Do we know why? Yes. It's literally an entire scene. Welcome back to the Shaking Out Scared Podcast. Here with you as always, your host, Eric and Vivi. Today we're going to be talking about the 2019 film Ready or Not, directed by Matt Bettinelli, Olpin, and Tyler Gillett. But before we get into that, how are you, Vivi?
1: I'm a little nervous to cover this movie because when we posted about it, it was very beloved, so I'm a little intimidated, but I also love this movie.
0: So do I. I have nothing to fear from anyone else because we also love it. <laughs>
1: how
0: have you been? What's up? What's new? It's been a while. Our last episode was recorded months back, so... It was months back. Yeah, so this is the first episode we recorded in like four weeks.
1: Same. As always, tired, tired, sad, stressed, waiting, waiting to talk about horror.
0: Yeah, I don't want to jinx it, but we're also waiting on possibly having a place soon. So, oh, you jinxed it, I did. But well, maybe the next episode we do will be there.
1: Fingers crossed. Yeah,
0: wish us luck. What are you reading? What are you watching? What are you listening to for? It could be content in the meantime.
1: Wait, you don't want to tell me how you are?
0: No, I'm not okay. I'm sick. You're clearly again. sick again. <laughs> yes, <laughs> what is wrong with me? It's living in a basement and in the shadows for too long.
1: So, you wouldn't thrive as a vampire, is what you're saying?
0: No, I've, I've always felt like I'd be a werewolf more than a vampire. Mm. I think I said it on an episode before.
1: Was this during Freaky?
0: No, it might have been Van Helsing. Uh, Or, have we done another vampire movie? We have not. Or was that our first?
1: Technically our first was Van Helsing.
0: Wow, we need to do better.
1: Yeah, we really have not covered vampires.
0: Maybe next year when it's my birthday again, since Dracula was the most popular 92 film, we'll do that one for my birthday. I
1: do love that movie.
0: But yeah, what do you have for creepy content?
1: I have not been watching a ton, more so reading a ton. So I'm going to try to go rapid fire on a few books that I've read and just give quick recommendations. The first one was I Call Upon Thee by Aenea Alborn. I would give this one a two point five out of five felt more like scary stories to tell in the dark and although I love those I was looking for something more scary
0: is the the she's calling upon scary stories to tell in the dark
1: it's like a demon oh I guess I don't know it, it was fine okay it was fine pretty girls by Karen Slaughter I wonder if that's her real last name this one was really good had me guessing five out of five go check it out
0: when you realize that Slaughter has laughter in it well wow. that's when
1: you start living <laughs> yeah. and last one I read head full of ghosts by Paul G. Tremblay that one was also fun I would describe it, well, I was going to say, it's fun. I would describe it as something in midsummer, and then I realized what a fucked up statement that was. But it was a good one. Heavy spoiler, I guess. To me, it seems like the storyline of Danny and her sister but if the roles were reversed and her sister was the older one and Danny was younger this might have been what happened to their family
0: damn so like leading up to the car exhaust yes similar uh, does the exhaust thing happen at the end
1: no but the younger sister is tricked into murdering her entire family by her older sister who is potentially bipolar or schizophrenic oh yeah that's fucked up it's rather fucked I'd give it a four out of five not my favorite but worth checking out
0: interesting I will probably have to check those out they're on our audible right yes they are
1: okay and finally we're very late to this game but we started watching the latest season of Stranger Things.
0: It's not the last one, right? No. I I've...
1: believe there is going to be a season five.
0: I felt like people were acting like it's the end. I think it's just because it was split up into those two parts, which is so stupid.
1: And they take so long between seasons.
0: Yeah, what the fuck is their problem? Before too long, we're going to see the kids just growing up, having their own kids. Still dealing with us. Still not going to have the 80s vibe anymore.
1: We're going to go into the 90s. Oh, are we? 90s music.
0: It won't be as iconic, I feel like. I like the synth music. Of the yeah,
1: 80s. I feel like the synth is synonymous with Stranger Things.
0: They're probably trying to do that with the spinoffs, right? Because they're thinking ahead like, oh, we can't really do this for that long as long as the kids are growing up in real life. We need to do something either to stop them from growing or do a spinoff.
1: And that creepy like aging them down thing never works. Oh, no. She looks, it so weird, she looks so
0: weird. Because she looks... 2H down, right?
1: And like so, so strange. So what is it called? Uncanny Valley. Yeah. Not a fan. That being said, I am enjoying this latest season so much. I feel like classic horror call out.
0: Yeah, I went back to the horror piece and not that weird sideline with Eleven with her superpowers.
1: And to be honest, Eleven is becoming one of the least interesting characters to me in the show. They've done other characters that I care about more now.
0: Yeah, like Robin and Steve. They're fun. Oh, yeah.
1: Love them. Max, I think, is a great character.
0: Eddie. Everyone loves Eddie.
1: Everyone loves Loves Eddie. <laughs> what do you got for creepy content?
0: We did the Elabody His Exhibit. It's an exhibit that basically goes over, if you watch Coco, it's those beings that exist in the afterlife that bridge you between the land of the living and the dead. They're multicolored animals, beings. I mean, they're like, the way that they have the exhibit there, it's like there are combinations of different beasts. You have like a fish with legs that looks like an angler, or uh, there was this one that had like the death head moth on its mm-hmm. back, but it was like a lizard iguana thing with a snake tail. Yeah, really cool. So if you've ever seen Elabody His Exhibit nearby, make sure To check it out. The Mexican artists who were in charge of it were there. The guy that was selling stuff, he had this figure next to him that was like playing guitar while a little celebrity dog watched her play. And I wanted it so much, but his art was so expensive. I didn't even try, but it looked really cool. Maybe I'll post a picture. I might have already, actually.
1: We posted pictures on our Discord.
0: Go check it out. Go join the Discord. Go see the pictures. But we also watched Mad Max, the original. Does it hold up?
1: I don't know. It's
0: definitely not good if you've seen the new one, Fury Road. Yeah. You know, like I know what they were trying to do. And maybe at the time, 70s, it was like, oh, Oh shit. Australian wastelands in a world after gas runs out. You don't really get the gas running out piece. I wouldn't say it's horror either, but it does have creepy elements.
1: I would argue that dystopian is horror.
0: Same. Other than that, we've also been doing fun stuff with the folks over at Nightmare on Fear Street. Share has been hosting a lot more watch parties on Clubhouse. We recently watched The Girl on the Third Floor and the Free Fall. It's been fun. Girl on the third floor, weird as fuck. (laughs) Let's just talk about Amityville but horny. Like the house itself is horny. There's a lot of (laughs) coconut cream, if you know what I mean. If you know what I mean. <laughs> CM Punk is in it if you're like wrestling. The whole movie's fucked. Everyone is shitty except for one person. The Free Fall, sometimes it doesn't help to do the watch parties if you haven't seen the movie already because when weird shit happens everyone's like, what the
1: fuck? I missed something here.
0: Yeah, but I think that movie even if we did seriously watch it, it has no real linear path to figure out. Like the psychological horror piece of it and it also combined a shit ton of movies together. It was like The Imitation, The Others meets The Exorcist. At the end, you're like, oh, I guess that's what happened. So go watch it, I guess. I'm more Free Fallen because I have no idea what happened. Damn. Yeah. I wanted the end credits to end with, I'm free. Free falling," But it didn't. So missed Disappointing. Yeah. They didn't have enough budget for it. That's all I got. though. That's a lot. It is. We did a lot. Well, it's four weeks.
1: Actually, it's not a lot for four weeks.
0: We are doing our best. Okay. We're trying. What comfort content do you have? I have nothing. We do. We have one thing. You do. We do. We do. We have Thor Love and Thunder. It came out. Obviously, we're Marvel fans, and the latest Thor installment has come out, and there's a lot of gratuitous male nudity. Love there's that. There's Screaming Goats. Spoiler alert. That's the part everyone was waiting for.
1: Yeah, that's what everyone goes to see this movie for.
0: Batman was in it. It was. He yeah. did really well. He did. I liked his villainy. When I was explaining the movie to someone else to be like, hey, you should go watch it, the one way I explained it was like, imagine, and then I said, you know, villain story here. So without giving away spoilers, yeah, he does really good at the part.
1: And it's just fun. I feel like people take these movies a little too intense and just like shut off your brain and enjoy it for a minute
0: yeah i think people forget that these are comic book movies like if you think the movie was fucking crazy and ridiculous and not good go read some of the comics and not to say that that means they're bad it's like some ridiculous shit happens in the comics and sometimes it's hard to capture this shit in the movies they have to figure out how to balance giving service to the actual fans and the non-fans you know i'm a marvel fanboy so anyway are you ready for today's drink
1: I am. Eric actually came up with today's drink.
0: I did. It's a fun drink, I think. The inspiration came from the fact that the La Domas family great grandfather Victor met La From what I gathered, he like ran into him when he was doing some sea merchanting. And I thought, why not go with something that's obviously rum based? pineapple fruits and things like that did a mojito variation added some rum pineapple ginger syrup topped it with sparkling water and that's pretty much it oh and some mint and mint <laughs> we played a little bit with the pineapple because you know depending on how sweet or non-sweet you want it mojitos are usually more watered down type drinks so if you want it to be sweeter you could add more pineapple juice if you want to give it a shot and i'm calling this one La Belle.
1: i like it the best way i can describe it is Spicy pineapple juice.
0: Yeah, like the ginger is already a very spicy root. We use fresh ginger for this too, so like we didn't we, had we to didn't half-ass it. We didn't half-ass it. No. If you've ever chewed on real ginger, you know it's a spicy root. I like this.
1: I like it. I will give it a three out of five.
0: Ooh, I give it a three and a half out of five for the label
1: for selling your soul
0: for selling your soul to label. I think it's funny that he like appears at the end too. Yeah, he's nodding. He's like, oh yeah, hey,
1: how's it going?
0: He gave me the thumbs up for this recipe. I have to do something by next year though. Oh, you know, it's a very small price to pay for a good drink recipe so <laughs> my soul no big deal no big deal all right well while i'm over here figuring out how i'm gonna get around this soul selling do you want to give us some fun facts yes
1: okay how is their last name Ledomas. domas Ledomas. domas Le dumbass Le
0: La Doma's family.
1: Okay, so let's talk about the La mansion. Did it look familiar to you at all? I think something else was filmed here, right? A lot of things were filmed here. The setting of the mansion is actually filmed on two locations. One, the exterior of the house, is filmed at Parkwood Estate, which is the same mansion used for the film Billy Madison. Oh. I don't know if you mentioned it on the show, but you used to love it. And upon rewatch, you're like, oh, this is not good. no
0: not. I know it's a classic, but that movie's not good anymore. <laughs> Don't rewatch it if you want to hold that memory. <laughs>
1: well, let's save it for you then. Do you want to guess where the interior shots what other film it was used in? Freaky. No. <laughs> the interior shots are filmed at La Casa Loma Castle, which is just a weird pronunciation to me, because it's House Loma Castle. <laughs> Which also served as the Charles Xavier School for Gifted Youngsters. Let's go. Throughout the X-Men series. That's
0: awesome. I haven't seen those movies in so long, but that's great. That's cool.
1: I do love the setup of this film. The interior shots of the mansion and the way they're lit in warm color. Super creepy. The mansion's really nice. I would not mind living here. I don't think
0: I would waste it on killing people here.
1: Would you have sold your soul to the devil for this mansion? No. I'll think about it.
0: (laughs) I'll sell my soul for a drink. But not a house. No.
1: Speaking of weddings, let's talk about Grace's wedding dress. I don't know if you noticed, but her dress really goes through it in this film. And costume designer Avery Pluz created 24 dresses total for this film, 17 worn by weaving and the rest worn by her stunt double, all to depict her descent into madness, basically.
0: Makes sense. If it went through damage or whatever with some of the stunts, they have to keep remaking it.
1: Each dress is meant to detail the journey Grace is going on. As she breaks down, the dress can be seen more tattered and bloody, symbolizing her transition from bride to final girl and final breakdown. I love it. I love it, too. She kicks ass. The designer said she was inspired by Bruce Willis's character in um, Die, Hard? Die Hard because <laughs> throughout the film, his tank top gets dirtier and crazier the more that he gets insane.
0: That's funny. I like it. I mean, I think in other movies where they don't do the progression of damage to your character is kind of weird, you know? It's very noticeable. It takes you out of it. Yeah. Gets exploded out of a building, launched across a field, gets gunfire shot at, lives through a fire completely fine
1: white wedding dress
0: yep and hair done makeup still on just a little bruise right here on the cheek
1: listen i had a relatively normal wedding and the bottom of my dress looks like a bloody murder so (laughs) i get it
0: i had a relatively regular wedding as well and oh that's good beer everywhere just beer Everywhere, all over my clothes. Shout out to whoever's idea that was. You had your chucks on too, right? I think I wore flats. I'm surprised you didn't wear Crocs.
1: Everyone had said no to wedding Crocs, okay? I had tried bringing it up.
0: You know what? That's what took me out of this movie. No wedding Crocs. You're right. Yep. She wore chucks. Should have been Crocs. In sports mode. <laughs> yeah. Can we get a new Ready or Not too? But she's wearing Crocs with gibbets in them. And it's still her. And it's doing this shit all again. over yeah. again. Except instead of like a demon cult, it's like aliens or something.
1: Part two. And finally, the final scene where the Ladilmas meet their end and explode is done using some practical effects. They would place fake blood and gut sacks on top of green screen stands and blow them up whenever one of the family members would meet their end. Did you notice the kids off-screen die? Yes, I did. And I think that's just because you can't show kids dying like that brutally. Do you want to know how they... Accomplished it. That scene of the kids blowing up off screen.
0: Was it like a slime cannon? Yes, it was a cannon. Oh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> good guess. But oh. a meat and guts.
0: Wait, was it actually meat? No, it's not.
1: Oh. So they would use banana chunks and fake blood that tasted like caramel and spray it on the actors as the other ones around them blew up. Ill. I'm sure that smelled nasty. Well, I think they said it tasted delicious as long as they
0: use fresh banana. Because if they use like old brown banana,
1: yeah, that's that's where you draw the line.
0: Although old brown banana would have been more realistic, right? Because it'd be slimier, nasty looking. I don't know. I mean, it's cool if. Fact. I liked it. The whole ending was insane.
1: Well, as an extra fun fact, there was almost an ending where Grace died at the end. Also, that was the original storyline. Like, but like
0: where she also blew up.
1: She just died. Like she didn't make it to the end. Oh. But the directors felt like that wasn't a good fit for the film. She would have been sacrificed. Oh. Yeah. That would have been cool. No. So the directors campaigned for her to survive in the end, kind of giving the film, I think, a better vibe.
0: How would that have been good? I'm glad that they went with this route, but I don't imagine. Yeah. It... Whose idea was that? What the
1: fuck. <laughs> Probably the original screen. Writers. and then she dies the end wow which probably brings us to the speed run
0: yeah it's your turn where not everyone dies
1: i mean pretty
0: much I don't know. There's a cop at the end.
1: You don't even see. Asking Samara what's going on. Weaving. Grace. Grace. <laughs> Did you know that Samara Weaving's Australian? No. That that wasn't even a good Australian accent. But she has to do an American accent the entire time in this film.
0: Everything that I've seen her in, she's American. Because she was in another movie. The Babysitter movie?
1: The killer Babysitter movies. She is slowly becoming a horror icon, I feel. so speedrun. Loki's passed out, Peter Griffin style over there. <laughs>
0: yes. His head's hanging over the side of the bed. Ready for the speedrun? Let's do it.
1: Ready or not. Go. Okay, so we meet Grace and Alex who are getting married and Grace is really nervous because Alex's family is like super rich. They get married and everyone we get introduced to is kind of awful and terrible or an alcoholic or like just really hates Grace. We also get a creepa, creepa, a creepy ass great aunt. And then um, they have to play a game on their wedding night before they, you know, consummate their marriage. And she pulls a card. That's playing hide and seek, and she thinks it's a normal game of hide and seek. This tradition's weird, but she's still gonna do it. Anyway, we realize that the goal of hide and seek is to kill Grace because they think if they don't, a devil that they made a deal with is gonna kill their entire family. Point is, she survives till the end of the night, making it till dawn, and everyone does explode and die in the end except her, who walks out of a burning castle.
0: Wow. You had 20 seconds up.
1: But I think I nailed it. You did. You did really <laughs>
0: good. I mean, it was pretty to the point. You said what you had to say. You were ready.
1: I was. Eric looks a little disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> no, great job. Did I set the bar a little too high for the next one? Is that what you're no, 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 no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I just really hate speed runs, and you're so good at them, so I'm proud of you. Thank you. For keeping up that reputation. I hear a flip. Awesome. Before we jump into it, the internet says, a bride's wedding night takes a sinister turn when her eccentric new in-laws force her to take part in a terrifying game when she's like what am i gonna go do tell my friends that on my wedding night i played a game with my husband's family yeah i mean now you are now you really are gonna tell everybody <laughs> including the news
1: i don't think they'll believe her
0: yeah what story do you tell they were just a cult yeah that's all you gotta say. and then they all that's exploded how they were
1: rich i wouldn't say that i would say the house just caught fire in their sacrifice bodies. gone wrong
0: and their bodies spontaneously combusted
1: i mean is it spontaneous if there's fire around them
0: i don't know how do investigations like this work because paramedics are going to go in and they're going to be like all right well we can't find a single trace of bodies because you would at least find like skeletons and shit right yeah they're like well we found chunks everywhere you all belonging even find to six, the six people that's true because they would all burn they all would up, all burn up which points to her again because they'd be like why are you here
1: but she can prove it because there's a bunch of dead bodies in the like goat hole. oh yeah and my question was at the end since she's the sole survivor and married alex Does she inherit their wealth?
0: That's why LaBelle nodded at her, like, hey. (laughs) Use that for life, bitch. Yeah. I didn't make a pact with you. I made a pact with them. So good luck. Enjoy. Have fun. Mr. LaBelle, can we get started? Yeah, Okay. I'm just going to ask him every time if we could just do the next thing, because, you know, don't want him exploding us mid-episode. I'm fine with him. Would you even hear it?
1: I mean, it was pretty loud in the film. (laughs) Yeah. Very squishy.
0: We start on a rainy night and get visuals of a mansion with different games on display that talk of LaBelle's gambit and family rituals. Anything that mentions LaBelle has the face of a devil-like figure. Two kids named Daniel and Alex run around the house with a lantern in a panic. Daniel tells Alex to hide behind a trapdoor, and Daniel is startled by a man who's hurt saying someone is trying to kill him. Daniel literally snitches on the dude and people with masks come holding a woman in a wedding dress. What a fucking asshole. Daniel doesn't know snitches get stitches.
1: I guess not in this family.
0: I also think that Daniel being the one who snitches and then later is the one who shows remorse for what they do is such a good way to have the viewer in conflict throughout the rest of it because you want to trust Alex because he seems like the innocent kid here. And Daniel is obviously like the snitch. So you have that. Daniel is not trustworthy at all. Alex is trustworthy. The whole movie, 90% of the way, is like Alex is trustworthy. Alex is trustworthy. And at the end, it flips on you in a way that you're like, oh, fuck. Better than your next where you definitely don't trust the boyfriend at all. From the first moment. We really,
1: I would say the opposite. I would say that there is so many hints to Alex betraying her in the end, like so many. She even dreams about it. And with your ex, it was kind of like he <laughs> just seemed like a douchey dude. Well, on your first watch, when you go back, obviously you notice all the little things.
0: I mean, I'm not saying I trusted Alex. It's just no. you don't expect Daniel to be the one who's helping her out and whatnot all the way to the end.
1: I think I disagree, but okay.
0: One of the mass figures shoots the man named Charles with a crossbow while the woman named Helene screams. The woman takes her. Mask off and tells daniel she's proud of him while they carry charles away to another room Helene composes herself and closes the door behind her while daniel watches
1: what an 80s wedding dress
0: all the fluttery fluffiness
1: all the shoulder padding wow
0: gonna go play football real quick
1: not to throw shade because this was everyone's mom's wedding dress
0: 30 years later a woman named grace practices her wedding vows while wearing a wedding dress she monologues like she's talking to her fiance as she lights a cigarette saying his family might be rich but they freak her out. Apparently his dad hates her and his brother keeps hitting on her, but she can't wait to be a part of it. Her fiance is Alex and he overhears her saying his family's fucked up, but he jokingly agrees. They share the cigarette as she brings up his dad hates her because he thinks she's after his money. He's like, I mean, it's true though. And she's like, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right.
1: Fun fact, her original dress is modeled after Kate Middleton's.
0: Oh. He tells her just to give them time that they're used to people dating for at least three years and they only did 18 months of what Grace calls a bonathon. Wink, wink which is also strange because i feel like people get married all the time in less than like 12 months of dating each other lately or at least what i've seen
1: i feel like it was more common back in the day but most of the people we know they've been together years we know we know yeah because all the time i see on tv they're like "Uh, we've been dating for like six months how are we not married yet oh that's that show the ultimatum
0: (laughs) he says who cares what they think since they're horrible people grace says she cares and wants them to accept her but you can tell alex is uncomfortable He's about to say that without her, he's... When Daniel comes in and says, one of us...
1: Dun, dun, dun.
0: Daniel and Alex mess around until Daniel turns to Grace saying it's not too late to flee since she doesn't belong in the family as a compliment quote unquote. Alex and Grace just smile as Daniel says fine and rushes them to get outside. Daniel leaves the room and Grace says she can't believe she's going to be part of the La Domas gaming empire. Alex gets serious and says that they could just leave. Grace doesn't get it and thinks he means like after the party but he says he's giving her an out. She says nah as Alex asks her if she's ready for this and she's like fuck no. Boom! Ready or not title card.
1: Daniel is actually played by Anna Brody who we saw be the douchebag in Jennifer's body that sacrifices Jennifer, the lead singer.
0: Oh that's why he looks familiar. Yeah. I was like what the fuck is he from
1: does his wife look familiar
0: i mean yes she's from pilgrim Pilgrim. yeah
1: she plays prudence
0: she plays a lot of characters in horror very well We've also seen Emily in other horror.
1: Saw. Oh, she was also in Saw? I thought you were talking about Becky. She is also Mrs. McMurray. Yes. (laughs) In Letterkenny, which is what we know her from.
0: Yeah, when I saw her here, I was like, oh my god. She plays like the same character in a lot of stuff. Yeah. We get this photo montage where Grace and the others take photos outside, and Alex's dad, Tony, tells him that Alex could have done so much better. Daniel says it's only because Alex is his favorite when Tony says he loves all of his kids equally, and they're both like, (laughs) yeah, right. What? What does that mean? They're
1: just blatantly honest here.
0: But maybe this is another undertone to what Helene says later where she says that Alex was supposed to lead them. Yes, I think so. Tony tells Daniel they thought they'd lost him after not seeing him for two years. Grace and Daniel pose for a photo but Grace is clearly uncomfortable as Aunt Helene watches ominously in the distance. Fucking Yzma looking, my dad's mom looking ass lady across the field. My grandma looked like that.
1: Oh my god. <laughs> she, she was is, very scary. She's very effective at posing creepily with yes. her hand, her tiny hands and her lap and hunched over.
0: Yeah, she's got that like cockatoo hair too. She looks and like a bird. Like she was would fly and grow wings and start eating at you if you died in front of her.
1: And she is insane throughout <laughs> the rest of this movie.
0: She goes from looking like a normal lady in the beginning of the movie to just full send demonic. She's got the pale skin.
1: That's what happens when you lose your spouse on your wedding night. But
0: no one else looks like this, is my point.
1: Because no one else has, other than Alex, pulled this card.
0: But they've lost family members. Cousins. I and mean, eh, nobody gives no a about, about cousins. No one gives a fuck about cousins. Just kidding, if you're a cousin of mine. Daniel says they're just trying to figure out if she's a gold-digging whore like his wife Charity. Meanwhile, we see Charity and Daniel pose. Charity says Grace will never be one of them, and Daniel says, "Duh, she has a soul."
1: Yeah, you can tell that Daniel's really not feeling this whole demonic sacrifice thing anymore.
0: No, he's like, "Been there, done that."
1: He is over it.
0: Maybe he's experiencing seeing what we say is supposed to happen when you have it all, right? What's the fun of it if you have it all? So you have no purpose other yeah. than to just drink yourself away,
1: which he is doing. Yeah,
0: well, that's why I, Im- I implied that. Not to say that if you have everything you should go drink everything but like he's very clearly depressed about being wealthy
1: i think he's depressed about how they got wealthy (laughs) and what they have to do to keep it
0: yeah becky their mother notices grace is nervous and says the family said all the same things about her but she motivates Grace and says the only thing that matters is what Alex thinks. Alex and Grace finally kiss at the end of their ceremony, and everyone claps except Aunt Helene.
1: Listen, this lady does not care if Grace is going to pull that card or not. She wants to kill her right then and there. <laughs> For real. She's just ready.
0: I'm ready to kill somebody. Someone's wife has to die. Or uh, husband.
1: Other than mine's. Fuck. I feel like that's her motive through a lot of this.
0: Yeah, maybe she's just like, fuck, no one else has done this. I'm the only one. Why is it me? Mm -hmm. Which, I guess, gives her a sad story, (laughs) if you look at it that way. I mean, it is a sad story, because whatever, but it makes... Because whatever. Well, because the fact that she switches and is like, yeah, makes her shitty. I think it'd be sadder if her character turned into a resentful one that was like, I had to do this and this is why.
1: Yeah, it's almost like her character's options were be sad about it forever or just drive into it like completely.
0: Yeah. Cut to the couple making out after the party in a bedroom when Grace gets freaked out by Aunt Helene standing in the doorway staring in silence.
1: She does not say anything. No. That's what bothers
0: me. She's looking down on them on the bed like <laughs> pathetic Yes. (laughs) that's how y'all fuck in the 2010s disgusting alex is like what the fuck when helene says they'll have to hide better than that
1: (laughs) bitch i wasn't hiding i am married now (laughs) dick out does it look like we're hiding (laughs) does it look like this thing's hiding oh my god
0: she's also wearing a strap on she tells them everyone's waiting and alex says they'll be there in a few grace asks what's going on and asks about the secret door to the room alex is like it's a service corridor that goes around the whole house and says they have to play a game with the family before i continue grace is like of course of course you have a service corridor a whole ass Hallway for the help
1: because you don't want to see them.
0: That's so fucked, right? That is so rich. Maybe not in the sense of corridors, but that shit continues on like with HOAs and stuff like that in these like rich neighborhoods. In the industry that I work in, we have to avoid putting cable on poles because it disturbs the view of the rich. That's Like you want internet, right? Then fuck off. (laughs) That sounds about right. So again, Alex says that they're going to play a game with the family and Grace is like, what game? Alex says it depends on what card is pulled and could be anything. She laughs and Alex is like, yeah, yeah, it's dumb. But he says that because they made their money in games it's like an initiation. She just has to play and then she's officially a part of the family. She's like, that's cool, let's do it. Alex is embarrassed about it and says they only have to do it once. Grace playfully says she kicks ass at checkers and is going to put on her game face as Alex leaves telling her to meet them in the music room. And she again is like, of course you have a music room. Tony finds Alex standing in front of a table as Tony says Mr. LaBelle is with them and asks how much he's told Grace. Alex says he's never going to tell her anything and that they'll be gone the next day. Tony asks if he's prepared if she pulls that card while Grace walks around around looking at some board games in the house. Alex doesn't answer as everyone gathers in the room. Becky tells Grace her vows were beautiful before saying she didn't know she was brought up in foster homes.
1: We now know why she wanted to get married so badly and be part of a family.
0: Yeah, it's like with your next where it's just another person who's looking for something positive in their life.
1: Right. Before we covered this movie, obviously we covered your next and you compared the two. Apparently a lot of people compared the two. And after rewatching this, I saw what you meant about like a lot of the family dynamics are very, very similar. There's the douchey old brother, the younger brother who acts like he's above it all, the ditzy sister, and this final girl that's like clueless. The difference being, Aaron is trained in combat and Grace is kind of figuring it out as she goes.
0: And still kicking ass. Oh yeah. Maybe it's just that Richie will only have these like five personalities. That's it. I don't know any, so I can't confirm or deny that. Grace says her foster parents were great but temporary and always wished she had a real permanent family. Becky thanks Grace for bringing Alex back to them, but follows up by pleading her to bring him back into the family. They hug as Alex comes to the rescue and pulls her away asking what Becky said. Grace shrugs it off as Alex says he's not feeling well. A couple of kids run in wearing masks as Emily and Fitch show up. Daniel yells at the kids to take the masks off but Fitch tells them to keep at it. Fitch greets Alex and Grace as he explains they were late because of some work he was doing. He's saying he hates flying commercial as Emily runs up to greet them. Emily says she likes her style as Grace motions to her nose because Emily clearly has coke on it. Emily cleans up saying she's excited for her to be part of the family when Helene says he will decide that.
1: Ugh, what a killjoy.
0: Uh, Helene, can you fucking stay over there? Nobody's talking
1: to you. Seriously. I mentioned this to you when watching this again, but Fitch reminds me so much of Orso in Beetlejuice. Oh, yeah. And I said it was almost like they plucked him from that movie, did not age him at all, and just plopped him into this one. I wonder if they're related. The I don't actors. know. Because just the way their like comedy is, is very similar. Also, fuck Alex. He had so many opportunities to tell Grace at this point, and they're in the bedroom when his dad's literally like, Did you prep her for this? And he's <laughs> like, No, because she's not going to pull that card. Dude, you have to. Tell her.
0: How many cards are in there? I don't even know how many they said the possibilities. Was it like one of 24?
1: It's just the one, and Mr. Lebeo decides what you get.
0: Yeah, but what are the possibilities of games?
1: We only kind of get a hint of that when Fitch says he had to play Old Maid and Charity says she had to play chess.
0: Let's say the possibilities are like, all right, there's a hundred games. What are the chances that you would get the one out of the 100? I'm not saying it's okay. Alex should have told her. Like, hey, there's a one in 100 chance that my family's going to try to kill you. But let's just hope that it's not that one.
1: (laughs) So I don't even think it's those possibilities. I think Mr. LaBelle decides on the person whether or not they are fit to join the family. And when he decides, no, you're not is they have to kill them. Now, my theory for this movie is that Mr. LaBelle was tired of the family and chose someone he knew was going to survive till the end to get rid of them.
0: Because they weren't serving a purpose anymore. They Possibly. lost their traditions, like Tony was saying. They were ready to just start cutting corners and shit. I'm laughing because basically we're saying here that Mr. LaBelle is the sorting hat. Yeah. <laughs> or the sorting hat used to belong to LaBelle, but it's just fucked up that he wouldn't tell her there's a possibility. I was even telling you, too, though, like, let's say they did elope. He you imagine being on the honeymoon and he just fucking explodes because they don't believe? that it's real Alex I think also had his doubts at this point where he's like I don't even know if we'll die
1: oh they all have their doubts it's like a major point of contempt for them is like do we do this or not like how do we know it's not bullshit yeah
0: Emily says hi to Helene annoyed when Helene calls her the brown-haired niece who continues to exist what a bitch Seriously, you have one niece, you can't
1: remember her name.
0: Well, and brown-haired niece. Fuck you, Helene. Also, you were brown-haired I was going to say, wasn't
1: she also a brown-haired person?
0: Either way, she's a bitch.
1: Back to my theory that Mr. LaBelle picks and chooses who can and can't enter the family. Charity and Finch are both terrible. And I feel like if you're terrible, he allows you into the family. But Grace was good, and Charles also seemed like he was good. And he's like, they gotta go. True. They will fuck all of this up.
0: But I thought you said LaBelle was tired.
1: Yeah, so it could work either way. Because he does not at her. The end.
0: Yeah, he's like, all right. You did your job. You proved yourself. Yeah. Stevens, the butler, announces the time as everyone stares concerned. Emily turns to Grace excitedly, saying it's going to be great when they go into a family members only room. All around the room, there are guns, artwork, swords, and other trophies as Tony says their grandfather loved games. Grace stares at the painting of a man holding a rifle while standing over a dead tiger and notices the same gun mounted underneath it. Everyone takes a seat at the table as Tony explains they want her to take part in their traditions. He says their great-grandfather, Victor, had a playing card shop. Their grandfather expanded to sporting goods and board games, and he acquired four sports teams. He says some say it's luck but it's more than that he says it all began with a box which he displays and says their great grandfather was a merchant seaman who met someone named mr labelle one day they got drunk and mr labelle said that if he could solve the mystery of the box he would finance any endeavor of his choosing he solved the mystery and since then anytime there's a new addition to the family they place a blank card into the box The new addition then pulls the card and mr labelle decides which game they'll be playing everyone stares ominously as grace pulls the card out and she just laughs Helena asks her to read it because Grace is just laughing.
1: Grace says, hide and seek. Grace is like, we're really going to play that, right? This box looks like the box from Hellraiser. You think so? It's very much that vibe of like the sinister box that could unleash the greatest pleasures.
0: Pandora's box? Yeah. Maybe it's all just based on that. Could be. Everyone is silent. Alex looks like he wants to cry. He says yes and confirms with Tony. Tony tells Grace she gets to be the one that hides as Alex tells her to meet him in his room. Grace is like, it's going to be fun. I can't wait. She raises a glass and does a toast to Mr. LaBelle as everyone's like, eh, yeah, yeah, awkward. Tony explains she just needs to hide. They count to 100 and then just have to find her. Grace points out the cameras are an advantage and Tony says they don't use them since they play like they would in their great-grandfather's time. Grace asks if she can win, and Tony jokingly is like, (laughs) I mean, you can stay hidden until dawn. And both of them are like, (laughs) yeah, no, no, that'd be be crazy. No, no way.
1: He really played himself by letting her know this, huh?
0: (laughs) Stevens the butler goes to a control room, changing the lights and shutting some of the cameras off as Tony wishes her luck. Steven starts the record playing a hide-and-seek song all throughout the house. Grace calmly looks for her hiding spot as the family gathers all sorts of different weapons. The song counts down from ten as Grace closes the doors to a service shaft. Becky goes up to Alex who's clearly distraught and tells him he should just sit this one out. They all leave the room and leave Charity to guard at the door. Alex uses the service corridor to leave the room as we see the family sneaking around. Charity goes in the room to ask Alex if he wants company when she notices he's gone. Grace jokes to herself about explaining how her wedding night went and wonders how long it's going to take while Fitch asks the same to Becky elsewhere. Becky says it's only ever happened once since she joined. Becky was around for when Helene killed her husband? Yes. So is Helene Tony's sister? Yes. Oh, okay. Grace is like, alright, I'm good. As she climbs out of the service shaft, she sneaks around in the hall and we hear the floor creaking when it turns to Clara the maid, waking up in her chair. She was reading the kids a bedtime story and notices one of the kids named Georgie is gone. Grace hears her calling out for Georgie and runs to hide. As she watches from around the corner, she's scared by Alex who pulls her away. They hide behind the bed as Clara continues to call out and then Enters the room with them. She hears a noise outside the room. And as she approaches the door, she gets shot directly in the head. Emily is really proud of herself and screams, saying that she got her. Grace and Alex stare at Clara as she dies gurgling on the ground when the family all come in and realize it's not her. They're like, oh,
1: fuck, what?
0: Oh, I think Tony is also just conflicted because he's like, oh, that was my favorite one.
1: Like she's a pet. Yeah.
0: They all roast Emily, asking if she looks like she's wearing a wedding dress and why she would even shoot her in the head if they need her alive for the ritual. I love it because Emily's like,
1: I don't know what I'm doing, okay?" OK? She's such a mood. (laughs)
0: Daniel asks if it counts, but Helene says it has to be the bride. They decide they need to get rid of the body before Grace sees and plays heads or tails to decide who has to carry her from the head or her feet.
1: And I really like this scene because it saves us a whole Alex trying to explain what's going to happen to Grace and Grace not believing him. Like, we get to see it. It's fucked up, but funny. And we save ourselves that whole, I don't believe
0: you. Yeah. I think it's a great way to be like, hey, this is real. Someone's dead.
1: And it keeps up the pacing.
0: Yeah. Grace is catatonic as Alex tries to gather all their things to leave grace is like what the fuck they're so loud the family didn't make it that far leave the room that long ago for them to be like we gotta get our shit and starts opening and throwing drawers like dude shut the fuck up it's a giant mansion though they didn't leave that long ago (laughs) Grace is like, what the fuck? is Alex says she pulled the one bad card and they think they need to kill her before sunrise, further driving that Alex isn't even sure any of it's real. They leave the room right when Emily runs back seeing she forgot her gun and does some coke while hyping herself up in the mirror. I love Emily, as insane as she is. As they walk through the service corridor, Alex tells her to put her shoes on, but Grace wants answers. Alex re-explains they think something bad will happen if they don't kill her and had to play along to get her out. Grace is like, why wouldn't you say anything knowing that card existed? He's just like, no one ever pulls that card. So it's her fault. They're arguing and can be heard through the vents while Fitch is using the bathroom watching a crossbow tutorial video. It's so funny because he's like, eh, whatever, he keeps watching the video.
1: Fun fact the guys in the video are actually this. Scriptwriters writers for this movie oh really yeah.
0: that's so funny i love it when movies do that alex says that if they didn't pull a card at all the family would have killed them anyway because it's not an option he lists off a bunch of people who it happened to and grace is like you said your family was trash not psycho killer trash my guy
1: yeah bit of a distinction there
0: alex is like well you wanted to get married bro
1: worst thing you could <laughs> say right now
0: grace is like seriously not even the point she says they could have eloped, but alex says you can't because the wedding and game have to be done at the house Grace says they could have talked about it and worked it out, but he gets serious saying she would have left if he told her. He's like, you would have left bites his lip.
1: Alex is a selfish prick. You were the only thing bringing me back to the real world. Because like, you could explain the situation and be like, listen, the only way we can get away with this is if we never get married and just live in sin forever.
0: They could have. Problem solved. End of movie. I mean, that's his point when he's like, you're the one who wanted to get married because he said earlier. Okay, but he didn't tell her. Why? Why? Yeah. I mean, you could say like, hey, we can't get married because we play this stupid game and that would have been the end of it.
1: Yeah. I guess these rules don't really apply for like modern relationships, right? Because there's people who never get married anymore. Yeah
0: i have friends who have been with their girlfriends for 17 years
1: and have no interest in marriage no
0: i have friends who've been with their girlfriends for 17 years and do have interest in marriage just one person doesn't know it yet oh right right (laughs) right
1: but that person makes it pretty clear when they're drunk at parties just saying
0: alex tells her to get to the kitchen while he gets to the security room and unlocks all the doors she resists them splitting up but he reassures her that he has to and they do he's okay
1: lucky hey you're good what? The way he shoots up like he what? was in the pool underwater. <laughs> like he's drunk? Like, Bitch, wood. What? what? I'm busy. <laughs> Can I fucking sleep here? Damn. Jesus. Not this house. You don't respect the south. Yeah, you want me
0: to be chilled or not?
1: Fuck. But... <laughs> yeah, our dog is so weird that when he's chill, I think he's dying.
0: Yeah, we always are like, he's breathing, right? So yeah, they finally split up. Grace rips up her dress because it keeps getting in the way and makes her way to the kitchen. They also emphasize the fact that she's wearing yellow chucks, which makes her a badass, you know? Obviously. She finally makes it to the end of the hall where there are two doors and can't decide which one to go through. She obviously makes the wrong decision because on the other side of the door,
1: he's alive. He's alive.
0: You look pretty good for a dead bitch, said Loki. Can I go back to bed now? Y'all good. I made a present. Can I go?
1: You got it talking to talk into the mic though. What? <laughs>
0: Because on the other side of the door, Tony, Daniel, and Helene are carrying Clara away, wondering where Grace could be when she comes out of the door nearby. And they all just stare at each other until Daniel's like, found her. <laughs> <laughs> they just pause and are like like a deer in headlights, just stare at each other.
1: Again, another fault on Alex, who did not tell her how to properly get to where she needed to go.
0: Yeah, he didn't say there's two doors going on the right one. Yeah, They just look at each other like, uh, what do we do with this body? And they're like, just fucking drop her. <laughs> Grace runs away, but not before Emily runs into her and starts shooting. Grace dodges all her shots. Because Emily's- Daredevil style. High as hell and she cannot aim. (laughs) And runs past her, freaking the hell out of the family because they're in the line of fire behind her. She drops the gun and the family just starts yelling at her about how to shoot.
1: Is this where she's like, I don't know what I'm doing?
0: (laughs) No, I think she does that when she shoots the other- Oh, right, right, right. Grace goes into a pool room and tries the phone and windows, but has no luck. She hears someone coming and hides, but she's breathing so damn hard. She really is. So hard. She's like- (laughs) She's lucky it was Daniel, but fuck, she so hard.
1: it's just to add comedic value to this scene.
0: (laughs) The door right beside her opens as Daniel enters the room and looks at her. She just looks at him and they pause again for another few seconds. Until Daniel's just like, I'm just here for a drink. He pours himself a glass and says he has to call out to the others. Grace is like, no, 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 you don't, buddy. You don't, just help me. Daniel hands her the glass and says he just doesn't want to be the one who does it. He apologizes, saying the rich really are different and says he'll give her a 10 second head start. Grace realizes he's serious and runs off while he counts down. He finally... Finally yells out, and everyone makes their way to him.
1: I feel very sorry for Daniel because he is portrayed as like just this douchey alcoholic older brother, but I think he really has issues with what he's done in the past and can't reconcile with them yeah he's
0: starting to face his demons and realize like fuck like we all need to die we can't continue to do this yeah he has a redemption oh i would say it's shitty because even his redemption serves to make alex bad again yes which we'll talk about later you know but it's like dude if he didn't get shot in the throat i don't think this would have gone the way it did
1: truly and the fucked up part was that it wasn't even grace who did it no it was his own wife
0: it was so easy to flip Alex. I mean, too it, easy. It's fucked up. This whole thing is fucked up, but the fact that the family is fucked up eliminates any morality here. But it is fucked up. Like, if your family was trying to kill your wife and now you have to make a decision between your wife and your family, it's really like the decision that's made at marriage in general without murder.
1: Whoa, very dramatic. <laughs> Are you not telling me something?
0: <laughs> no, but you know, like, we talked about like my family is like, and you know, how they sacrifice son,
1: someone each wedding. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, once you get married, you're deciding that this person is the most important person in your life. And that doesn't mean I. I don't love you as my parents and my family. It's just that this is not my family as well. Just like you made the same decision when you left, you know?
1: Yeah, but Alex, he doth protest too much when he tries to say that Grace is everything and that he will kill for her. And it takes like 0.01 seconds for him to turn back on that. So this is
0: an extreme version of like, What getting married is. (laughs) Is that the real horror?
1: (laughs) Marriage. (laughs)
0: Marriage. Saying bye to your family.
1: Unless your family is this terrible and toxic.
0: Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, the fact that it's this family throws that whole morality piece out the window. This is like the extreme. Charity's pissed he lost her and asks him to at least pretend to care. He hands her the drink and says things are different because when he told her about everything, she couldn't wait to sell her soul away. Interesting. Charity says her life was horrible and would rather be dead than lose all of it. We don't ever find out what happened to Charity, but she's like, yeah, like, my life fucking sucked, dude.
1: We just kind of get this small. glimpse into her character it seems like she came from poverty and this whole deal with the devil was a dream come true for her
0: which is unfortunate because it seems like some of these people didn't deserve it they are literally like falling victim to their own flaws because of the gifts that were given to them by labelle so charity being like poor she's like i lived a horrible life and you know that i'd rather be dead than go back to that
1: can you fault her for what she does but then also she was too eager
0: oh yeah the rest of the family comes in and are pissed grace and alex her out and about they're all freaking out because now grace knows what's going on and clara is dead so it's clearly an inconvenience emily starts beating herself up because she forgot her gun but tony and becky console her fitch tells her she can have his crossbow when another maid runs in and gets shot in the mouth by emily accidentally
1: i just love emily
0: (laughs) (laughs) everyone's like what the fuck when emily screams why does this always happen to me Tony motions for Fitch to take her somewhere else, and he says they're going to get her an edible to even her out.
1: I thought that was hilarious, because at this point, I was like, this woman has
0: done so many drugs, would she still be alive? That's true, because Coke puts you up. Yeah, And he's like, you need an edible to calm me down.
1: That is just like, I think I'd be screaming to crawl out of my body. That's just too many <laughs> things going on at once. I know. I don't even want to live in my regular body. No drugs. Yeah. Charity asks
0: if it counts that she's dead and Helene is pissed that everyone keeps asking. It's a fair question. Yeah. They weren't there in the other room when you asked the same thing. She's trying to explain when the dying maid starts gurgling loudly and it's a whole bit. Trigger warning for any gurgling noises. Every time Helene tries to say anything, it's like. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was very listeners. accurate. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Reenactment.
0: She's trying to explain when the dying maid does it again, but Helene gets so pissed that she goes over to chop her head off with an axe, saying they need to kill Grace by dawn.
1: She's very spry for an older woman. Yeah, it's LaBelle's magic. Could be. Same reason Emily's not dead from so many drugs. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, yeah, I wonder if they're immortal to some extent, too.
1: Yeah, like all their vices don't really affect them. That is an interesting theory.
0: Daniel's like, she's the only one who has a soul. Do they not have a soul?
1: They probably don't. That's true.
0: Becky says they should use the cameras, and Helene's like, what happened to tradition? Tony works his way around it, saying that are great grandpa would have used them if he had them and it's not part of tradition what a sleazeball charity asks if she could use modern weapons too but tony says no because it's not tradition Helen's like oh sure pick and choose pick and choose okay i agree with her on that one to your point i agree labelle probably is like man these guys are shitty fuck them <laughs> they're cheating in the game
1: are you ever so shitty that the devil doesn't even fucking want you
0: <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> they argue some more until they split up to use the cameras and find alex Grace takes the gun from the game room and admires how kick-ass she looks in a mirror. Groovy. I wrote that down as how kick-ass she looks, but she's really just like, oh my god. What what the the fuck fuck? is happening? Yeah. Yeah. She makes her way to the kitchen too and tries to shoot the doorknob, but the gun just clicks. Alex finally gets the cameras to work as we see Grace hiding while Stevens approaches the kitchen whistling. Tony and Daniel notice the cameras turned on and run, figuring it's Alex. Grace opens the gun and clicks so loud that Stevens notices. But he looks around for a little bit and goes about his business making tea.
1: This is so stressful. She tries to use like every sound to mask her loading the gun, and I I couldn't do it. <laughs>
0: the gun is so loud too.
1: It is so loud. It's a shotgun.
0: <laughs> she shakily puts a bullet in the chamber, and also like, like cling, shakily, cling, 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 cling. Cling. <laughs> yeah, putting it in the chamber. As he preps some tea and starts scream singing, he's like
1: la 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 la. I'm sorry. <laughs> the dude's like really into classical music, pretentiously so.
0: <laughs> she clicks the gun shut and causes him to pause again, but he continues. Meanwhile, Alex manages to get the doors to unlock and turns the power back on. Stevens finds the sod, so he approaches the door, giving Grace the chance to point the gun at him. She tells him to move and he refuses, so she pulls the trigger, but it only clicks again. He says the rounds are display only and gloats about whether she thought he was stupid enough to leave actual bullets with the display, but she thinks fast and hits him over the head with some glass. She runs away while Tony and Daniel bang on the security door for Alex to open it before they can make their way in. Alex destroys the controls with a fire extinguisher. Alex chokes the shit out of Tony to leave his wife alone, but Daniel finally calms him down, saying they'll get her out. Alex says she means everything to him when Tony hits him over the head and knocks him out. Tony's like, whose side are you on anyway? And they flip a coin to carry Alex away.
1: It's true. Whose side Daniel's on is kind of a mystery up until the end. Also way too intense of a fight for father and son.
0: Alex was giving impressions of being truly there for Grace. Like, yeah, I mean, I I still have doubts because it had already been done with your Next. I was like, this could go a different direction. He's about to choke out Tony. I was like, all right, he's really trying to kill his family to protect Grace, you know?
1: There are some points where his affection for Grace seems so strong and so real, but then there's just too many hints that he's going to betray her that I don't get. His character kind of doesn't make sense in the end. It's like he wants to be good. He wants to be the version of himself that he is with Grace. But he is afraid that at his core, he is as terrible as his family that he's trying to run from.
0: And that's what Daniel says to Grace, that she's the good that he wishes they were. And he's afraid that he'll fall back into what the family is.
1: Which is just a lot of pressure to put on your spouse. <laughs> yeah.
0: You are the good I want to be. Yeah, I'm not good naturally. I need you. I need you
1: to be that good. Yeah,
0: so that you could do all the good and I could do all the bad. And I can live vicariously through you. Yeah. Okay, cool. That's my vows. By the way. Amazing. After they flip the coin, Tony's like, I forgot my gun. Everyone just keeps forgetting their gun. But Daniel says he could just come back for it. I kept thinking this was just them being like, there's going to be a gun at the end because everyone keeps forgetting their gun.
1: And Grace is going to get a hold of it.
0: And every time that Grace uses the gun, it keeps clicking and not working. So I was like, there's going to be a gun shot at the end that's like a end the movie moment. And that gun moment never comes. No. Grace goes to the service shaft to hide again and finds another maid in there crying and saying she has no idea what's going on. Grace tries to get her to be quiet and tells her they should trade places because they're looking for her and not the maid. I mean, it's like, oh, you're right. And starts yelling out to give away her position.
1: This maid really played herself. But also, can you imagine starting this job and not being told that this is going to (laughs) happen? Right. I couldn't
0: tell if they knew or didn't know, right?
1: This one definitely did not know, but the other maids seem like they did. And they were very eager to help the family out.
0: They're like familiars for the demons.
1: Well, it's kind of like, what do I get out of it if I help you find this? Person, I'm gonna need a nice little pay cut.
0: Like a familiar, you don't know what you get at the end. You're like, no, 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 I need to know. animal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're like, you're I'm... gonna get in on it. You're yeah, gonna get in on it. it's fine. Totally. Eventually, I'll make you a vampire.
1: Side note: the new season of what we do in the shadows has started, and we have not watched it. We're yet. doing
0: that next after Stranger
1: Things. Eventually.
0: This maid specifically also is like, I'm not even a maid. I'm just a dancer.
1: What do these maids do <laughs> for Victor? That's the real question here.
0: For Victor or for Tony? Tony,
1: yes. Victor is the great, great, father. <laughs> yeah.
0: He's still around in the background. Yeah. He's older than helene
1: what's the point of selling your soul to the devil if you're not immortal
0: right you die of old age still yeah fucking lame do better labelle Anyway. While she's giving away Grace's location, she accidentally presses the elevator shaft button and causes the door to close on her. This mechanism is so fucking strong that it literally crushes the maid to death. Why? Like, why would you have it be this strong?
1: Well, it's supposed to be a super old mansion, right? I don't feel like old things were made safely. It's kind of like a weird moment that I feel like I could have done without this scene because she truly just has a maid kill herself. Like, And that's it. Grace is just like witness to this and then she's like, okay, (laughs) bye. I'm running for my life. Yeah. What she should have done was taken the maid's outfit, and it would have made her much less easy to spot.
0: Ooh, and then put the maid back into the shaft, head in, so that they can't see her head. And then they're just like, oh, fuck. She's died already. Okay,
1: she didn't have enough time though. They were coming for her.
0: Grace tries to help her but runs before Stevens shows up to notice the dead maid in another room. The family is handcuffing Alex to a bed when Stevens shows up with a burnt face to tell them he was unable to prepare the security system and that the doors and windows are all unlocked. He tells them that the last of the maids is dead and Tony just can't believe that Grace is actually surviving. And taking them all out. Becky tells him to chill out so they can start guarding the doors when Helene interrupts saying they shouldn't have let Alex leave. She says that she and Alex are the same, and she knew that Grace would pull that car to force him to make the same choice she did.
1: She's really projecting here, huh?
0: <laughs> Someone else has to go through this. It can't just
1: be me. Basically.
0: it's <laughs> all you Helene's That's her whole story is motive. tragic. Yeah. Tony says no one expected for this to happen and is concerned about his golf outing at eight in the morning.
1: Rich people problems.
0: He says Alex was helping Grace from the get-go and hates them, but Helene's says he's just afraid of who he really is, just like she was when she had to kill her husband.
1: And then she comes out and says, I regret not killing Charles myself. I'm like, (laughs) okay, girl, calm down. She thinks there's still
0: time for Alex to do the right thing, all while Grace listens nearby. Tony asks what she means, and Helene says Alex is meant to lead the family and not run from it. Tony disagrees, saying Alex is the good one and has always hated their pact from the get-go. But Helene says Alex is the only one who's ever seen Mr. LaBelle in his chair. Tony's like, bullshit, dude. He was a kid. He chalks it up to Alex as being a five-year-old making it up. So Lean just says, whatever you say. I mean, I'd do the same. I'd be like, he hears us talking all this shit about demons. Yeah. He had a bad dream. Yeah. <laughs> they all leave the room as Alex comes to. Elsewhere, Fitch is searching whether packs with the devil are real <laughs> and starts messaging his friend Kit when Grace jumps down a ledge outside behind him.
1: Fitch is probably my favorite character. Like, Fitch and Emily, as terrible as they are, I could see why they ended up together.
0: <laughs> I'm just here for the booze and the party. I don't really give a fuck about any of what's happening. They're hilarious yeah. to me. Fitch kind of notices, but it just goes back to messaging while we see Grace stand up and run
1: I like how he's like family shit
0: (laughs) you know she makes a run for it and gets a flash of their wedding before booking it again
1: and the flashes that she gets to her wedding are so sad you get that she's like processing in her brain just a few hours ago I was having a totally normal wedding and life and now I'm in this mess. Can you imagine
0: if that's what happened at our wedding?
1: No, I was already tired. Your wedding day is the most exhausting day of your life, and then you still have to run and fight for your life? Hell no, I would have been dead in the first 20 minutes.
0: <laughs> you have to pull an all-nighter?
1: Fuck no, dude. <laughs> I woke up at six to be ready for this shit. Yeah.
0: <laughs> she makes it to the goat pit as she notices someone approaching with a flashlight and hides. The footsteps approach slowly until we notice it's one of the kids named Georgie. Grace is relieved and asks him for help he pulls a gun on her and shoots her in the hand.
1: Oh, I, I hate like, you know, how everyone has their thing in horror that they're just like, this is where I draw the line. I think for me, it's like holes in like hands or feet, because then, you know, we get the nail scene. And those also just freak me the fuck out. Like a quiet place yeah. where she just full on steps on a nail and can't scream is like, I feel <laughs> that in my heart. I don't know why I hate it so much. But also, why the fuck? Would you name your child Georgie? I would never do that. Big fans of it. That is exactly why I would never (laughs) do that.
0: Georgie. I thought you were going to say you were super scared of just willing as fuck kids to shoot you.
1: I mean, yeah, obviously these kids come from a fucked up family, but you named him Georgie, so you didn't give him a good start.
0: What movie was it that we saw that the kids were pieces of shit? All of them. Interesting because Georgie seems to not know. Later, he's like, I was just doing it because you guys were, he doesn't really know why.
1: And that's interesting, right? It's like a take on family pressure that Alex later mentions. You will do only... Almost anything if your family says it's okay, which is a scary thought.
0: Like I said, he shoots her in the hand and she screams in agony while Georgie tries to fire again, but he realizes the gun won't shoot when, in a fit of rage, Grace punches the shit out of him. She takes his flashlight and gets startled by a goat, causing her to fall back into a cellar onto the remains of a bunch of dead bodies. We even see the remains of Charles from the beginning with the two arrows in his gut. Poor Charles. Grace finds and climbs a sketchy ladder that we see is only being held by a single nail. She can only climb with one hand and some of the steps break as she makes her way to the top. She finally makes it to the top, but the ladder breaks and she manages to put only her good hand on the ledge. It's a high-stakes situation as she starts to slip and finally decides to use her injured hand only to slam it onto the nail that was holding the ladder up. Oh my god.
1: Her scream perfectly illustrates how I felt. (laughs) I think it like <laughs> just watching this. It, it doesn't even seem like she can. It looks like her hand is trapped there.
0: She'd have gotten split like that one movie that we watched. Men? Oh, yes. That's what
1: I mean. I hate yeah. like hand mutilation. and don't like it.
0: You seriously feel her pain, though, in this scene as she pulls herself up while groaning in pain. She rips some of her dress off and wraps her hand while yelling that Georgie's a little fucker. Yeah. A little fucker. Meanwhile, Charity smokes a cigarette outside the house when she notices Grace running in the distance and aims her crossbow at her. Charity fires but doesn't hit shit and goes in to tell Stevens she's running toward the north fence. Grace makes it to the fence and can't climb over, but she she's able to find a weak bar in the fence. She hears a car approaching and calls out for help while pulling with all of her strength, managing to pull the bar free. She squeezes through the opening while a point in the fence rips at her back, but she manages to get out and yells at the car to stop. The car stops, but it's just some douche who yells at her to get the fuck out the way and drives off. Grace is like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I think that if I saw a bloodied person, there's two things that that could mean, right? They need help or they're going to kill me.
1: It's a trap. Yeah. Which I think we discussed on our... First few episodes, right? With Texas? Yeah. We might have brought that up. Also her, like, just pushing her way through the fence. Like, first of all, she's very thin to be able to do that, but it looks so painful. She's literally being cut up as she goes. Like, the instinct to survive in some people is incredible.
0: The adrenaline. The, yeah. the adrenaline apparently can do so much to you to just want to fight to survive, you know? We saw it with Sally. We saw it with so many Final Girls.
1: We should make a cocktail called Final Girl Adrenaline, and it'd be just the the most crazy drink we could think of. Red Bull. Just what is the nastiest drink? Like, <laughs> I saw someone make a tequila espresso martini. That sounds like it would kill me. Give me all the adrenaline.
0: Something with like an energy drink base. Yeah. A five hour energy shot. Oh, hell no. <laughs> Grace goes off with how frustrating this whole situation is and is like fucking rich people as we hear Stevens's whistle approaching in a car. We just see her run into the woods.
1: Fucking rich people.
0: I agree, running into the woods.
1: Oh, no, I would not run into the woods. I would
0: walk calmly.
1: I would simply just not. (laughs) You would
0: just lay there on the ground? No, I'm done. Act dead, stay in the cellar? You
1: probably could hide out there in the dead bodies till night.
0: And they would all just explode in the house? Yeah. Stevens reports to the family that she's made it out, and Daniel's like, well, that was fun, while getting ready to leave. Tony gets pissed and pins Daniel to the wall, asking if he thinks this is a game. And Daniel's like, uh, yeah, hide and seek. Tony reminds him that they'll die if she's not dead by dawn and reminds them of what happened to the Van Orns. Fitch is like, didn't they die in a house fire? And Tony's like, that's what the press said.
1: That's what they want you to think.
0: <laughs> before turning into a painting of their great grandfather, Vic, and complaining about the terms of their pact with Mr. LaBelle. Becky calms him down, tells Fitch to go help Stevens, and tells Emily and Daniel to put the maids in the goat pit before pleading Emily to try not to kill anyone else. Before they all go, Fitch asks Charity at what point they should just, you know, quit. But Charity just stares at him and walks away.
1: Yeah. I- this is interesting because once you marry into this family, do you have no option of divorce? I mean, you kind of can't. You know too much.
0: And does divorce trigger like a reversal in the game?
1: Yeah. Do you die instantly as soon as you divorce from this family?
0: Probably because you already served of the benefits.
1: Yeah. Interesting.
0: Interesting. (laughs) Outside, Grace hides behind a tree as Stevens' car approaches. Meanwhile, in the house, we see Alex trying to get loose and calling out for Daniel. In the go-pit, Emily asks Daniel if he really thinks they'll burst into flames if they don't find her. But Daniel just says he doesn't know as they throw the maids' bodies into the cellar. She asks how much he remembers from when they saw it happen as kids. And he says he remembers all of it, but tried to protect Alex from it. Emily says he's always protected Alex. But Daniel says that if that were true, he wouldn't have let him marry Grace. He says Alex deserved a better brother and that they all deserve to die. But Emily says her kids don't when Georgie wakes up nearby and calls for her. I thought this undertone was kinda crazy, where it kinda gave Emily like a sense of humanity, other than just being this like ditzy character.
1: It truly is her one character trait of I'm trying to protect my kids.
0: Yeah. She's like, Do my kids deserve to die? And Daniel just looks at her like, Oh fuck. But the movie immediately answers this question and doubt yeah. when she turns to Georgie and asks what happened. He says he tried to shoot Grace when Daniel's like, Why would you do that? And Georgie's like, Well, that's what y'all were doing. So Emily says she's proud of him and smiles while Daniel just stares like, Ah, no, yeah, we we do. We do deserve to die.
1: <laughs> it triggers his childhood memories and he's like, No, this family's fucked up.
0: Yeah, because for a second he's like, You're right, like, do the kids deserve to die? And he's like, Oh wait, no, yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was right. Elsewhere, Grace runs into a field but gets cut off by Stevens, who chases after after her he manages to knock her down and gets off the car to hold her down but she grabs at the burnt side of his face and uses part of her dress to strangle him she knocks him out and takes his car as we see him getting up in the background yep loki was also getting up in the background
1: remember when we could never ever record with loki in the room
0: yeah he was always too crazy he was a
1: puppy puppy boy he's like i don't know dad kind of stank
0: yeah i think loki's concerned that i'm sick he comes over to me and just gets really sad am i dying loki (laughs) He just slowly looked at me... That's none of my business, said Loki. She tries calling the police from the car's automated system and talks to a guy named Justin who says his computer isn't working. For a second, I thought it was an automated thing. You know, those bullshit bots on the phone that are like, hold on, let me look that up for you. And it's like playing a fake keyboard. Yeah. Yeah, fuck that shit. Let me talk to an agent. And it's like, I'm sorry. I didn't." Let me speak to an agent. I'm sorry. I didn't register that as an option. Let me speak to an agent. Please hold while we connect you to an agent. Yes, oh that's God. exactly what I wanted. Please. Yeah. Thank you. Grace is like, just call the fucking police when Justin's like, the car's been reported stolen and I need to shut it down.
1: I'm pretty sure the voice actor who is Justin is Finch. Oh, is it? I think so.
0: Grace is like, what the fuck? Justin tells her to calm down as the police are on their way, but Grace continues yelling for him to start the car and he's like, there's nothing I can do. It's company policy. She looks around nervously as Justin's like, is there anything else I can help you with? And she's like, yeah, go fuck yourself, Justin. And he's like, "Uh, okay, have a great night.
1: My first watch of this film, I found this scene so infuriating. It's like literally the point of, I assume there's supposed to be like AAA, right? Yeah, On OnStar. You're supposed to help.
0: But they're rich people. But they're rich. And the car was stolen. Yeah. Yeah, She lays on the steering wheel trying to calm herself down while repeating that the police are on their way when she's startled by Steven standing in the window. He smashes the window and shoots her with a dart gun as she tries to get out the other side, but it's too late and she passes out. She wakes up and sees Alex in the driver's seat as he says she's safe and that they're leaving. A red hue comes over the car as she looks back at him and sees he's wearing a creepy mask. She wakes up for real this time and realizes she's actually in the back of Steven's car while well, he lets the family know he's got her and blasts Tchaikovsky's 1812 Overture to celebrate. Grace gets up behind him and the family notices because they're on a video call with him. This is so funny. I fucking love this scene so much. This scene much. is
1: hilarious, but before we get into that one, this very obvious call out to Alex betraying her, We're using- Still rooting for him at no. this point. Okay.
0: That's why I said, like, there's a 80-90% where Alex is still sort of trustworthy. Not saying I wasn't expecting him to turn, but all the mention of he's the chosen one is like, oh yeah, obviously he's gonna turn. He's you know? gonna do yeah. something. It's like saying Anakin wasn't gonna be Darth Vader. Like, come on. Obviously. The family tries to get Stevens to turn around, but Grace kicks Stevens in the face multiple times, causing him to crash the car. The car flips over in slow mo as Grace screams, and the last we see is the call failing on the family's phone. Grace Samara waving is. Just Just using that same wailing cry. She screams so much in this.
1: She's a good scream queen. Yeah. I think my favorite scream is her banshee scream. Yes. Towards the end.
0: They're all like, fuck. When we come back to Grace climbing out of the upside down car, Daniel suddenly comes out of the forest holding a gun saying he was trying to escape the madness. Grace reminds him that he doesn't want to kill her and he agrees. But he still points the gun at her and says he's weak. Grace reminds him that Alex won't forgive him if he kills her. And he's like, yeah, but at least he'll be alive and can't let his family die because of her. Grace tries to say it's all crazy and that no one's going to die. But he says Alex would have been the one to save her and knocks her out. Tony comes out from the woods saying they've got less than an hour before dawn and still need to prep the ritual. So the stakes are high for the family.
1: I like this scene because you think, okay, Daniel has made up his mind. It's very clear that he's going to stick with his family. But... He realizes that his father is there with him in the woods to the point where his father is like, did you know I was here? He's like, I'm drunk, not blind.
0: (laughs) Back at the house, Becky comes up to Alex and tells him Grace was caught. She says she's like Grace, but they have to protect the family. Alex is like, that's cool, because if she dies, I'll kill you. Alex says maybe nothing will happen, but Becky says he wouldn't have let her pull a card if he thought that was true. Becky asks why he left, and Alex is like, I realized maybe we weren't normal when we were chanting and slicing the throat of a goat. He says the scary part was that it felt normal and that you'll do anything if your family says okay. Once he met Grace, he realized she's the opposite of what they are and made him feel like he could be good like her. He tells her that if it came down to her or Grace, he would choose Grace, but Becky says she doesn't believe him and that a girl he's only known for a year and a half wouldn't know him better than she does. Again, I think it's an analogy to marriage in general, but I'm sure these are conversations and I know these are conversations that people who are getting married have with their parents. They're like, oh, a person you dated for fucking however long is not going to love you more than me. I raised you. In this case, they're trying to kill her, but-
1: normal context you know yeah and again this is a scene where i would say that alex is laying it on a little thick it's almost like he's trying to convince himself not so much his mom
0: we cut to becky explaining the story of mr labelle to emily's kids we see fitch hyping himself up and tony apologizing to mr labelle for the night being chaotic
1: you're not gonna glaze over fitch hyping himself up are you what he's like come on fitch don't be a bitch don't be a bitch <laughs> let's do this bitch <laughs> and slabs himself <laughs> you've got this bitch it's my favorite line
0: fitch is great alex is still cuffed to the bed but Keeps trying to cut through the wood by sawing at it with the cuffs. Grace is tied to a table as Tony chants passing a chalice around to the rest of the family. They're all wearing hoods and join in on the chanting in Latin as Tony says they're renewing their pact with an offering of flesh and blood. Tony's about to finish the ritual by raising a knife over Grace, but right as he's about to say the last words, he freezes and everyone notices something's wrong. They all start puking blood all of a sudden and realize that Daniel's poisoned them all using the hydrochloric acid they poured on the maids. Daniel unties Grace and they run as we see Alex breaking free in the bedroom. Grace asks if he just killed them all, but Daniel's says he googled it and that they'll just be shitting weird for a week
1: hilarious she
0: tells him she knew he'd help him but daniel says he knew it just all had to come down when they run into charity who points a gun at them he tries to calm her down but charity sadly says he really doesn't care if she dies and shoots him in the neck
1: so i don't think your marriage was great daniel i think you should have chosen your wife a little better
0: yeah because charity like seems so sad she's like you really don't care about me
1: yeah good thing they don't have kids is all yeah. i'm gonna say for this one
0: yeah i mean charity definitely went into the vanity of being rich every time you see her she's like Fixing her makeup in the mirror. And yeah. it's like all about the glamour of it.
1: And you understand why. And I understand her point. Like, Daniel, this not only affects you, but it affects the rest your of your entire family. And you don't care if your wife dies. So by that logic, I must kill my husband. Yeah. It's also not great, though.
0: No, you're starting to see the humanity of these people who seem and have been used to living lavishly, deliciously for so long without running into a problem suddenly become human.
1: Yeah, that's the fun of this movie. While it's comedic, while it's. Just meant to be a good time sometimes. It gets a little deep and you're like, I was not expecting that one.
0: She shoots him in the neck though and Alex hears the gunshot while we see Charity standing in shock. Grace takes this chance to run at her and takes the gun from her. But the gun is empty and just hits her in the head with it. Again, every time Grace tries to
1: shoot a gun, it's always empty. Which is probably like the devil is not on her side. But I feel like this is the moment where Grace snaps. She is completely in survival mode at this point.
0: She's been in survival mode since she put her gunshot hand on that nail.
1: But now (laughs) she's like full-on fighting them before it was avoiding. Now she's confronting.
0: She runs over to Daniel, who's dying from his wound, but he just tells her to go, and she thanks him. She runs into Tony, who calls her all sorts of things and says they've been through worse than her. He says fuck the altar and decides to kill her right then and there, but Grace reaches for a nearby lantern and hits him over the head with it, knocking him out. She tosses the lantern and runs, but we see that the lantern starts a fire on a curtain nearby.
1: Nobody cares. Nope.
0: Alex finds Daniel dying on the ground, while Becky tries shooting Grace with an arrow and misses. This is the moment that Alex is like fuck
1: yeah my dead brother because I think that Daniel was the only one he really cared about in his family yeah, and, I mean, I, and I don't think it helped that he witnessed Grace murder his mother but
0: oh no later it's like the what yeah <laughs> we'll get to it in a second
1: okay but you can't blame her for that
0: no I'm not saying that Grace shouldn't have done any of this right Grace totally should have killed everybody oh yes like they're trying to kill her it's defense how can
1: you blame her it's yeah.
0: self-defense she tackles Grace to the wall while Alex is in a panic watching Daniel die in his arms Becky says she. Everything she said about her, but she's not going to let her hurt her family as she chokes Grace from the ground.
1: There's also something very odd about Becky's character, something so like Oedipus like. In that, my son married someone who is like me, and I meant that you could be like me. That's gross to me. Yeah. It's like what she says to her in her last moments. You could have been the new me. There's a lot of
0: new me's, though. Helene says that Alex is the new her, too. Yeah.
1: It's just weird family
0: dynamics that I don't like. Grace pulls the tablecloth, causing LaBelle's box to fall, and headbutts Becky, getting her off of her. Becky says Grace doesn't deserve a family, and Grace hits her across the face with the box, saying, fuck your family. She then repeatedly destroys Becky's face with the box, yelling, fuck your family, When Alex says her name,
1: Grace. But again, can you blame Grace? No. This is literally the moment that her rage of the entire situation takes over her. And Alex, you know your family's trying to kill her.
0: Yeah, Alex's whole, what the fuck, dude? What do you
1: mean you try to kill someone who tried to kill you? What? Yeah, fuck Alex. I did tell you before we got on here that we're going to award Alex the true villain of the story award. Yeah. Sorry. That's
0: the patrick yeah it is <laughs> yeah. grace drops the box and alex looks down to see his mom completely wrecked it's pretty bloody alex approaches but grace backs away from him saying sorry alex says he's sorry too and asks her if she'll be with him after all of this he caresses her face with one hand and puts his other hand to hold her head i had demonstrated this on you because i was like i don't think this would actually hurt especially with how extended his hand is he starts to squeeze her head and she's like
1: you're hurting me i think he's trying to then get her in a headlock to hold her but it's but a first weird like, exchange. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Alex, you're too weak. You move your moves are weak, bro. Grace notices he starts to squeeze and tells him he's hurting her when he yells out to the others and holds her by the neck. The rest enter the room to see Becky on the ground, including Tony, who's completely distraught. Helene says the sun's about to rise and tells Emily her boys need to take their place.
1: As the leaders of this family.
0: All seven years have led to this. I don't of know their how lives, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we see that outside the sun is rising and the house is starting to burst into flames, but the family attempts the ritual as Helene chants and hands a knife to Alex. What a fucking tryhard, dude. Helene? She is,
1: like, just so ready to Come. appease. Oh. Yes, appease LaBelle. La Belle,
0: please enter me right now. Look at how great a servant I am.
1: It gives vibes of, like, an oppressor and then just wanting to please your oppressor so much.
0: Yeah. They yell, Hail Satan, as Alex stares down at Grace and says, The final, Hail Satan.
1: Fucking asshole.
0: He raises the knife, and Grace digs her nails into Helene's hand, giving her enough slack to turn her shoulder in time for Alex to stab it instead. Everyone, let's go of Grace if you pause it little bit everyone's like oh fuck <laughs> they're all super scared for their lives even though she just has a knife but they let go of her in surprise giving grace time to pull the knife out of her shoulder She scream banshee whales like vivi said at all of them waving the knife in front of her
1: it is a great battle cry
0: everyone stands back in shock Helene looks outside and yells, "No!" After realizing the sun's come out, she opens the curtain, which is not what I think you should do. Like it,
1: dramatic effect,
0: <laughs> like as a vampire, you're not like, "Oh shit, it's morning. Let me open the windows." <laughs> like, fuck, That's true, you know. But she opens the window. She says, "It's all lost," and asks for forgiveness. They all cower in fear waiting for something to happen, but Grace just stares confused. They all stand there clenching themselves waiting, but nothing happens. Fitch starts to laugh it off saying he knew it was all bullshit. Tony and Helene have no words. They're just like... yeah, Bumbling idiots. Alex turns to Grace like... Uh, But Grace just grunts and points the knife at him. Like, stay away from me. (laughs) Fitch asks what they should do about Grace, and Helene still talks to the empty chair, saying it might be too late, but she won't fail a bail again. She grabs the axe and runs at Grace, yelling when suddenly she explodes, spraying blood everywhere and on everyone. (laughs) They all gag, and Charity's like, what the fuck, when the hide-and-seek record starts to play on its own. Love that. Fitch is like, fuck, I think you were right when he explodes.
1: (laughs) Do you notice that the partners that married in were the first ones to go? Oh, no. Other than the aunt obviously.
0: I guess seniority goes into
1: Yeah, I guess blood still matters. Yeah, I guess why did Helene die first then? Because she didn't make it. I think by these rules Grace is safe. Interesting. Might be what the nod is at the end. Yeah. Like, you bested me. You're protected now.
0: Wait, so does that mean that Grace has to continue it?
1: I don't know. That's one (laughs) of my questions for the end, but we'll get to that.
0: Charity says she takes it all back and wants to go home when she explodes. Emily and the kids just run out the room screaming, hide, and we just hear three explosions with three sprays of blood going back into the room. Grace starts to laugh when Tony grabs the box and yells at LaBelle that he did everything right. And played by the rules. He yells that he's in control and explodes. Grace just continues to laugh and walks away as Alex begs her not to leave him. He tries being sweet and says he doesn't want to die. But Grace turns and says she didn't either while calling him a selfish fuck. She is right. Alex nervously laughs, saying he's not like his family and that she made him better. So that's why he's still alive. I
1: like how he's still trying to hold on to this narrative that he's not of this family and better than them.
0: He's realized he fucked up. Oh, yeah, he really fucked up. He says he gets a do-over because of her and tries to grab her, saying he's scared. But she's like, ew, don't Mm -hmm. fucking touch me. I don't care. The song starts to count down from 10 as he backs away. Grace takes her ring off and says she wants a divorce as the song reaches zero and Alex explodes. Grace just stands there completely drenched in blood because she got like point blank explosion. So she's just completely red with blood. She's disgusted by the blood in her mouth, though. She's like... And notices the fire from the fireplace rage before showing a disembodied bearded man nodding at her in the chair in front of it. She's like, fuck.
1: That is my favorite (laughs) reaction in this.
0: And picks up a cigarette book. We see the house getting completely covered in flames with the image of Victor and the game imagery from the start of the movie. A slow electric guitar plays Here Comes the Bride as Grace walks out of the fire, wiping her face from the blood. She makes it outside as the fire rages around the house and just sits on the steps. We hear sirens and see the cop lights approaching as she lights a cigarette. A cop approaches her asking if she's okay, but she just keeps smoking her cigarette, chilled, just, you know, dealing with it. The officer's like, holy shit, what happened to you? And she just says, in-laws, before the credits roll.
1: I love the end of this movie so much. I love the slow motion walk to Here Comes the Bride. I love her response at the end.
0: It's just all of it great. Yeah, I mean, at this point, she's seen it all, right? She's like, oh, fuck. Well, it was all real. I guess I won.
1: And like I kind of mentioned earlier, does she now have to continue the tradition? Is she the sole inheritor? I have so many questions for what happens to her afterwards.
0: I mean, I hope not because that means she has to do the same thing. And now she has a debt to pay to LaBelle. And she
1: didn't ask for any of this. No. It'd be better if she just inherited everything.
0: She could just be like, I'm a widow now and I don't have to marry anyone so I don't have to do it ever again
1: she is probably never gonna marry ever again
0: i don't want to do it i don't uh, want to deal with it labelle don't blame her
1: you could just die a rich old lady
0: with just whatever partner because you don't yeah. need to get married <laughs> does labelle only give a shit if the county clerk's involved does labelle only give a shit if it's a church wedding
1: wouldn't it be more like a godly thing i don't know
0: because this wedding wasn't a godly one it was in the backyard allegedly whatever an alleged godly wedding is but that was ready or not are you ready to say what you thought of this movie well
1: i don't think it's a surprise but i love this movie it is just fun it's paced super well There's nothing in it that I would say... You know how everyone complains about movies being remakes or ideas that were already done. This felt pretty original and organic to me.
0: Yeah, even with your next being, what, 2012? Yes. Almost seven years before, right? It wasn't an exact copy of it.
1: No. I think the cast is all fantastic every character is kind of flushed out even though they get limited screen time and i hate comparing this film to other movies but it also gives me similar vibes of like knives out and *Your next where we get to know the rich family that's terrible and the consequences of their actions so for me i think this film's a 10 out of 10 it yeah. quickly became one of my favorites
0: i think this is a favorite for me too yeah 10 out of 10 uh, i love that it explores all of what it does and it's only an hour and a half like we talk yes. about movies being too long, being too short. This one was an hour and a half, and I wouldn't say it was too short. I wouldn't say I want more, because it does what it has to. Kicks ass. Grace, she shows that she was like, fuck this family. The moment they show her, no, we're trying to kill you. I love the badassery that she shows off at the end to, pulls out her cigarette. She's in her dress that's all beat up. Her Bloodied. chucks on. Yeah. I love comedy horrors, and this does some of both in a nicely balanced way.
1: I agree. I think I saw some reviews that people felt like there was too much comedy in this but i think it walks the line perfectly and i've noticed we've been on a horror comedy kick lately the last three or so movies we've covered are horror comedies
0: i think it's the only way that i could probably intake shitty rich people seeing a seriously shitty rich person movie would just make just, just pisses angrier? me off yeah like there's that one movie that's coming out soon with the cooks yes It looks like another rich people movie. I've told you that there's like a horror trend going on where it's like poor
1: people with the rich. (laughs) And that makes sense because horror often reflects what's going on in the current times. And I feel like right now we're living through that whole fuck the rich situation.
0: Yep. This is a fun movie. If you haven't seen it yet, go watch it. It's great.
1: If you haven't seen it, do not listen to this episode. Before watching it like you have to watch it we
0: say that at the last at the last minute
1: (laughs) go back and watch the movie
0: grace is a favorite alex is the enemy daniel sad story
1: and it's funny because adam brody i feel like always plays these douchey characters but this is the first time i saw him in a role where i sympathized with him
0: i mean he's douchey still
1: but redeeming right He almost ends up being what you wish Alex was. But we clearly love this movie. It is a fun time. And I think next week, well, in the next two weeks, gonna step away from horror comedies just because it seems to have been the summer of horror comedies. What's that? If everything goes according to schedule, we will be covering the original Poltergeist. What?
0: I haven't seen it. I've only seen
1: clips. So it should be fun.
0: I love a good ghost movie.
1: Love a good haunting. Poltergeist is so well known for its like cursed film history. It so. was one of
0: the questions on our trivia this past week. Oh yeah. If you haven't joined our Discord, we've been doing trivia nights on Thursdays. So come by and let us know how good at Horia Trivia you are. Hora.
1: Hora. Right. Hora Trivia. Do you want to talk about what scared Loki about this film?
0: Nothing scared Loki, but what character do you think Loki would match more out of the characters in the movie?
1: Out of the Ladoma family? I think he'd be Emily.
0: <laughs> Me too. <laughs>
1: I don't know what I'm doing here. Yeah. Who would you be? Who would I be? I don't know. Because I also kind of resonate with Emily a little bit with Finch. But I think I'd also just be Daniel where I'm like, I'm not getting involved. I'm just going to drink until this is over. What about you? Oh, I don't
0: know. I'd probably be Finch or Daniel too, yeah. Like somewhere between where it's like, fuck, like, why do we got to do this? Yeah. <laughs> but Loki. Loki would be more of an Emily. He'd all 100% over the place. be. Yep.
1: Do you want to tell us about it, Loki? Sounds good. Nobody knows what they're doing.
0: Yeah. Those teeth always have you hurting people on accident. So definitely matches Emily. His underbite's just always (laughs) crashing into people.
1: It is. It really is. (laughs) But does that pretty much wrap it up for us here today?
0: It does. I'm ready. Or not. I'm just going to keep making that joke. <laughs> Before we close out the show, I just want to say special thanks to our newest patrons on Patreon, Justin Travis from the What's Your Least Favorite Scary Movie podcast. You guys are the best. We're going to have to share on the socials the painting that they did of us as the Adams family with Elvira and Loki. They look so cute. So keep an eye out for the socials. But thanks again. Shout out to you guys. We really appreciate your support and also the rest of our patrons. So thank you.
1: As always, we hope you guys had a good time here with us. You can follow us pretty much anywhere at Shaking Out Scared Pod except Twitter. Twitter, scared Pod. You can send us an email at ShakinNotScaredPod at gmail.com.
0: Support the show on Patreon. You can get early access to episodes or a bonus episode and themed drink idea every month. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a follow. Check out our drink videos. If you listen on YouTube, make sure to comment, like, subscribe, etc. etc. Join the Discord. Join the Trivia nights.
1: Be sure to like, rate, review, all that good stuff. And... Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye.